Y'all ready for this? Welcome to the Dan DeVerna Podcast, where we talk about business, life, and how to win it both. So we've got the new new backdrop there, Chris. Looks good. Well, you know, it's a uh, work in progress. We started, uh, we started this channel, not your channel, but our channel, uh, the beginning of January. And uh, to be honest, I look like I, I look like I had COVID. It's pretty pasty, pretty, pretty rough in my downstairs office. And now I have uh, done the, the Corona renovation in the garage. We've got some sound panels. We got the camera. We got some lights. And I'm now consciously incompetent. I now know what I don't know and what I need to work on. Yeah, it looks great though. I really like it. It's a fascinating backdrop. What's you got the little frog back there over your shoulder? Got a what frog smoking a cigar. Well, a frog smoking a cigar and having a whiskey. And what you don't see is right here. We've got uh, four. Uh, I'll send you some some photos, but four cigar chairs. Mm. And I don't know if I can show you. I'll show you the behind the scenes. You can't really see any of that. Anyway, I got. Uh, oh, please hold. Technical please. difficulties. One eternity later. Okay. Ah! Okay. Perfect. We're just going to get rid of this auto because I'm an idiot. Well, it's good that you can do that. Like you've now got the skills. Well, you live and learn. What has the skills well, to be able to, to do all that. So you're doing all that yeah. stuff yourself. I am. You know, I, the, the, the challenge from my team was to do the first 20 videos myself is kind of a, a be uncomfortable doing something new. Uh, um, exercise for the year. And once I got into 20, I actually started to enjoy it. And I find I enjoy the editing more than shooting the video where before I, you know, enjoyed shooting the video more than the editing. So everything comes full circle, but yeah, I am, I'm doing all that. And even this stuff, I mean, I spent a ungodly amount of time. I wouldn't even want to admit watching YouTube videos on people that actually have their shite together and, and copying, copying what they're doing. Even this little light here, you see this little, yeah, light yeah. like lighting up a picture who would have thought to do that but i saw it in a video and they said to light it up hence i did the whiskey bottles behind here you can see we still have to hide that cord but uh rock and roll it's it's fun it's, progress, it's fun getting the content out when i'm used to doing it on stage this is a uh, this is a, a a diet coke rather than a coke it yeah. isn't it doesn't have full punch but i enjoy it so when you go because i know like your career has shifted a bit because you were you know, when this all happened, you were in California and you were moving uh, kind of across the, the state at, well, not just that state, but multiple states doing some right. talks. And now the pivot is you're going to do virtual talks. So like, do you know what that backdrop's going to look like? Is, th- is it going to be from something like this? Or are you going to have a whole different, you going to pivot to a different part of the house and, and have it look completely different or what's the play there? So the, uh, yeah, and so you're right. Like I had uh, 33 events booked from basically Seattle all the way down to San Diego and then back up for the the new book, Activating Champions. And then when that blew up on March 11th and I came home, I kind of thought that conferences would be over for me until the COVID thing was over. But what I found is after a couple of months, organizations realized they had to do events in order to keep their audiences engaged. And, you know, Dan, unintended consequences as I started these videos in January. So as you know, I got this camera for Christmas. I had the microphone from a podcast uh, project I was doing last year. And uh, what was interesting is two months into shooting these YouTube videos, 
I started to get comfortable on camera with the lighting. I mean, the lighting was still off, not, not as good as it is now, but, but better than it was in the beginning. And I always said that I wouldn't do virtual conferences because I like to feed off of the audience, right? You see what, what they're laughing at, what they're understanding. If they're not understanding something, you can kind of repackage it a little bit. What I found with Zoom, which we're on right now, is when I'm doing virtual conferences and I'm booked for 38 this fall, so between uh, September 1 and the end of the year, I booked for 38. So actually more conferences than I would normally do, but I don't have to travel. Mm-hmm. And half of those conferences I booked because I'm comfortable now, you know, setting the background, setting the lighting, setting the audio, setting the camera. Uh, and so the garage is going to play a big role. And I'm at a desk, one of these desks that can I actually go all the way up. Standing desk, I think they're called. Or yeah. maybe not standing desk. You know, where they go up or all the way down. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm thinking about is I'm going to have this as one backdrop. I'm going to have the smoking area as another backdrop for kind of some of the smaller conferences. The upstairs office has a whole different vibe, which I did with uh, when I did um, Christian. When I did the video with Christian, I did it in that office. And then because I live on the mountain in the Pacific Northwest, the colors are off the chain. And so I think on a nice day when the wind is down, I might actually shoot a conference from my, from my patio set, which I don't know speakers have ever done before. And you know me, I like to, shake it up a little bit. I, I don't think I'll do one in the hammock, but I think sitting in one of the big patio chairs with a backdrop of the autumn uh, colors might be nice. Yeah, that'd be, that's neat. I, I love what you're doing there. I think it's interesting how you can kind of use your creativity to expand in, in ways that we, you know, a year ago, we never would have even thought about this. Like, well, and I think when I think being stuck at home as a lot of us are, and I mean, I know that because you're, uh, because of the service that you're in, you're kind of a, a one of those, what are they called? Essential, as essential providers. Yeah. You had to kind of navigate that safety. But for me, like I really, I stayed at home. And so, like I said about the YouTube videos, I'm not normally that creative, but I found that, you know, the odd trip to Home Depot and Amazon online basically uh, sorted me out. And what I, what I shared with you, I'm going to try not to mess up the camera again, is I restuffed the uh, pull-out couch in our, our rumpus room. You guys call it rumpus room? Sure. Yeah. You know what that is? Yeah. It's not a Canadian thing. A but anyway, rumpus. this, what do you call it? A lot of rumpus goes on in there. <laughs> I don't even want to know what a rumpus is. I feel like it's something Nana and Granddad did when they were building the family. But <laughs> This is the, uh, so you can buy sound panels online for 300 bucks, but I'm, I'm cheap and I'm Scottish. And so I kept the foam from the uh, old couch because I restuffed it. I taught myself how to upholster. That's a whole different video. And uh, this is now my free uh, sound, what do you call it? Sound treatment, which yeah. I use on, uh, on the desk. And so if anybody okay. saw, if, if you want to add a, a picture in this video, I'll send you a picture, but it... It looks like a dog's breakfast, what I'm seeing, but I'm, uh, I'm quite happy with what you're seeing. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. So sitting here with my longtime business coach, Chris Flett, the coach to the stars, right? Isn't that what we say? You've got, uh, pretty, you've got some pretty heavy hitters on the arsenal there. Yeah, we got uh, a lot. Well, I mean, present company, of course, included. But uh, yeah, we're 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 blessed as a company to have pretty interesting people to get to work with every day. We kind of take make light of that, and we don't really talk about it very much. But I mean, you really legitimately have, at least that I know of, you have two or three of the top advisors that are in the top one percent in the world that do what we do. 
So it's pretty interesting. We kind of make light of it because we're all kind of at the top of the food chain for what we do for a living. But the truth is there, there's some high level dudes and we, you know, we've traveled with, with some of them. So it's a lot of fun and it's interesting that you can get to the same point, meaning the top of the mountain, but from all these different paths, like one guy's going to shoot up the, the expressway and another guy wants to, you know, is kind of a little more rugged and going through the terrain. And it's, it's fun to know you can kind of all meet up there, but y'all got, got there at very different routes. Well, that's the interesting part, isn't it? Is that you, you realize that, you know, there's that core of uh, characteristics that we all have and that we all share, but we all kind of went about it a different way. And so I always, uh, I enjoy like when we do our, our trips away as a group, I always enjoy hearing what everybody's doing because a lot of people do things not the way that I would do them, but they work. And so for me, kind of getting to advise a handful of our circle, uh, it's always interesting to be, you know, the, the trainer per se of the racehorses, right? You're people at the top of their game. How do you keep them at the top of their game? But the truth of the matter is people at the top of their game that earn their way there, they, they want to stay there. And it's not just about the money. I mean, once you make the money, which is great, uh, then it's about continuing to push yourself. Are you, are you getting better every day? And that's luckily the most of the people that we surround ourselves with. Yeah. And that was one of the things I was actually hearkening back to when you had your, was probably, let's face it, probably one of the highlights of your career was uh, when you came to Toledo. And we had a couple speaking engagements that were lovely, you know, yep. and a really nice dinner and all that stuff. But you, you gave a little talk at my dojo. And uh, I kind of wanted to revisit that a little bit because I, I'm just coming off of, so I've been practicing martial arts for 15 years with Sensei Hurt Sellers. So I practiced right. martial arts with, in a karate style, basic, basically. And then also I do some jujitsu, which I've been doing through GFT Toledo uh, under Dante Leone for a the couple Champion, of right? Yeah, Dante's a yeah, big champion, black, isn't he? Yeah, black belt world champion. So literally the top of the food chain on that. And right. it's fun. There's some footage with a couple of the videos. You'll see the cut-ins where I rolled, was rolling with Dante. And it's literally like a, a grown person uh, playing with a kitten. It's just hilarious. He's my size, but yet, you know, so much more talented and, and so gracious in the way that he behaves on the mats. But you gave a really good talk. And I, I thought the nice parallels of, of all of the things you learned from, because your martial arts was – was at a younger age, right. minor at old age. And so at the younger age, putting in some of the things that you've been able to now translate to business, I thought that was very interesting. I thought if we could touch on that for a minute, that would be insightful because I still have people come to me at the dojo who were there and mm. ask about you and, and talk about, I really liked this part or this part. Well, you know, I, I think kind of what uh, to give the, the cliff notes of what that presentation was because it's, you know, when you asked me to give that talk, I mean, going into a dojo for me is a sacred thing. I think it's like, um, you know, somebody of a lot of faith going into, you know, the Vatican or, or something like that. And uh, I remember when you said that, that since your sensei uh, said it was okay to come in, that that's to me a big honor. And I think, you know, having done judo at a, a younger age, like I started in my late teens, uh, there was an intensity in me that was misdirected. And I, I mean, I was a bad kid. I, in grade 12, I was suspended 30 times, uh, normally for fighting or for, 
you know, talking crap to another student in front of a teacher. And a majority of the time was someone being a dick to someone who couldn't fight back or say anything. And I, I've just always had an issue with the imbalance of power. And it might be because I'm, I mean, I'm huge, right? I'm a linebacker size. And so I didn't really ever have anyone mess with me, but I would see the fear in people's eyes when they, uh, when they just felt kind of helpless. And so when I got kind of put into judo slash nudged into judo, um, it was a place for me to take kind of un, untapped intensity and kind of put it into something positive. And my, uh, my instructor, who is actually still an instructor, John Huntley, a seventh degree black belt in judo, he, uh, it's like he sensed the anger in me and taught me how to redirect that intensity into things that, that kind of served me rather than got my way because I was really my own worst enemy. And so we fast forward, my, uh, one of my littles was, William was he's 13 now, but he was seven at the time. And we went back to Kamloops. So I was taking him on a tour of BC, teaching him all of the different industries, forestry, mining, fishing, and all that stuff. And we stopped in Kamloops. And of, of course, I mean, Mr. Huntley, almost like a second father to me, real hard ass, right? Like he, because I was the heavyweight in his dojo, he, he, I mean, he tortured me. He tied my legs together and have two guys come after me and would have me choked almost to the edge of getting passed out. Like, like really taught me self-control in a, in an old school way. I mean, he's, he came from the traditional Japanese model. So anyway, I reached out to him and I said, would you mind if, uh, if I drop by the dojo just to watch, right? Like just, uh, you know, reminisce like you walk the, you walk the halls of your old high school. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've got my little with me and he's seven and I can, I can leave him with family because Mr. Huntley was not, was not a big fan of kids, right? Because they're not, they're not disciplined enough. He wouldn't have a kid's program. I mean, he didn't want people to have their kids even come and wait during a practice. Like he, the, the dojo in ours, which was above a friggin' automotive welding company, right? Or a, a, a service. Uh, it was like a sacred place. Like if you walked in with your shoes on, like I'm almost positive he would have murdered you. I remember talking in class in the middle of December and Kamloops is up in the mountains, right? It's in the interior of BC. And him saying to me, you've got too much energy today. Go for a run. And I'm like, go for a run. Like the, you know, the snow's up to your privates. And I was wearing skidoo boots. I don't know if you guys call them that, you know, the big boots with the felt liner. Yeah. And so I have a double weight gi on. It's sweaty as hell, right? Because they're heavy. They're twice the weight. And he's like, go for a run. And I'm like, how long do you want me to run for? And he's like, how much is left in class? And I'm like, like an hour and 38 minutes. He's like, you can come back to bow off. I'm like, you're kidding. And he's like, no. And so I go to put my jacket on. He's like, you don't need the jacket. If you work hard enough, you'll stay warm. And so oh. <laughs> sweaty gi. Right. So like, like, and wet, right. A, a double weight gi almost doubles in weight with, with sweat. And I yeah, used to sometimes sure. bring two because I would sweat through one. Yeah. And so I remember running the parking lot going, I'm going to die. And about five minutes and I started to warm up. And by the time I was done running, my gi was almost dry. And so think about that. It's the middle of winter, but because of the heat coming off. And when I came back in, I'm thinking, you know, what a a-hole. Not me, him, because of, right, of course you have to blame somebody else. That's perfect. And and he's like, maybe you'll redirect your activities next time to judo so that we don't have to continue doing this. And I learned to shut my mouth, right? And so with that, when I when I got when he said for me to come back to the dojo, and he said, Bring William with you, I'd like to meet him. 
And to me, that was a big deal because I'm like, oh my God, like, has he found Jesus? Like, what the, what the hell? He's going to let a kid in the dojo. And we go in and of course, I'm grilling well, right? Here, like, here's all the things not to do. Like, don't say anything. Don't, don't ask anybody anything. Like, if Mr. Huntley offers to shake your hand, shake your hand. But if not, but if he does, look him in the eye. Like, you know how parents will try to get their kids ready to impress one of the very few people that I'm concerned impressing. And so we, we came in and I was just prepared to sit there and he had the old, when you think of the old real estate uh, office chairs, you know, the, the chrome, you know, the, the fa black fabric with the chrome, like he probably got them for free or used somewhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, we go sit quietly. Right. And so the class is just about to start. And he was like, before we start, I want to invite Chris. Chris fought out of this dojo for a long time. He, you know, won lots of competitions for us. Uh, Chris, would you consider coming on the mat and telling us a little bit about how you've used judo in your business life for the last 20 years? And puts me on the spot, right? And so I'm like, okay, right? Because you don't say no. Like, you tell me to do it. Like, if you told me to, I don't know. Set your, set your gi on fire. I'd set it on fire. Like I, I trusted he had an idea. So I, I, you know, I bow on the mat and I walk on and he's like, it's okay for William to join you. And I'm like, right. So I go and I sit on the low side and for people that don't know in a dojo and, and I don't know if this is the same in your dojo, but in a judo dojo, the instructors sit on the one side, the students sit on the other side and you sit from high rank to low rank, right? So senpai high to Kohai low, right? So the white belt is normally closest to the door. The instructor is closest to the picture of Jakaro Kano, who is the founder of, of, uh, of judo. And so I go and I sit on the low side, like, like to the right of the white belts, because I'm not in a gi. It's been many years since I did judo. And that's the respectful thing to do. And even when you go in a new Jojo as a black belt or whatever, you always sit low side until someone invites you to sit in a particular area, right? Just like you go to someone's house, you don't throw your feet up, kick off your socks and, and sure. drink a beer like you're, you're respectful. And so he's like, no, no, you come sit on the instructor line. So I'm like, okay, so I, I sit there. And then William comes to sit with me. He's like, no, no, you sit, you sit to the right of the white belts, right? Like you low man, low man on the, on the pole. Yeah. And so uh, he goes, you know, go ahead and tell us about how you use judo in your business life. And I go, okay. And then I get all emotional, right? And you know me, like I'm a pretty stoic guy, yeah. but I start to get, I start to get choked up a little bit. And so he's like, he goes, interesting. He goes, what, what's going on here? You're, uh, you, you seem to be getting amped up. I'm like, you know, I never think about how much judo plays a role in my business life, but in judo, right? Judo is the gentle way. And what we say is mutual welfare and benefit. And so whenever you're competing with someone, like in the dojo, you're both trying to get better, right? And so you have to show up and be prepared to work. And you're expecting the person across from you to also show up and be prepared to do the work. Because if you both show up, you both get stronger. And then as you move into competition, right? And so in competition, you're fighting, right? Especially as you're trying to get points to get into your brown belts, black belts, and you move up the black belts by getting competition points or coaching points. Um, you're always focused on like winning, right? And so if a brown belt beats a black belt, you get a certain amount of points. If a brown belt beats second degree, you get more points. But what was always drilled into us was you have to take care of the person you're fighting with, right? And so I'm trying to get a hold of you, get you an arm bar, throw you for Epon, choke you, but always do it in a way that I'm also taking care of you. And I remember being in a competition where I was throwing another big guy, and I think I was pushing about 280 or 290 at the time. I was fighting in the Continental Crown in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. 
And I did an overhand grip on a guy and grabbed his belt and went to throw us both on a sacrifice. And I could feel him sliding out of my throw. And so I immediately put my hand down to stop the throw and I broke my collarbone. And because I've got 550, 600 pounds and I'm not, I'm not doing any technique, I'm trying to get us out of the throw because I'm worried he's going to get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. I want to throw him, but I want to throw him safely. And I break my collarbone. And so like you, you can't get first aid attention when you're on the mat. If you need first aid attention, you disqualify. And so I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> right. But my, my collarbone is cracked. And uh, Mr. Hunley came out, stopped the fight. And so I'm like, I'm going to get in shit here. Right. Like he's going to say to me, complete your throw. And he pulls me in tight and he goes, I've never been more proud than you. I saw what you did. And so in business now, and I mean, Dan, you know, this, we've known, we've done this long enough. I have that intensity, right? I have the same competitive intensity and I compete because I like to compete. But I'm also mindful of the fact that I want to make sure that everyone I'm doing it with is being taken care of. And I want us both to get stronger through the relationships that we have. And so that's why, I mean, you know this within our circle, we push each other, right? We, we give each other gears if we're mailing it in. We compete for competition's sake. And so this is what I shared in that dojo. And then in yours, the same thing is when you start to dissect what martial arts teaches you, the discipline, showing up. Sometimes you practice when you're not feeling well because you've agreed to be there and somebody's waiting for you to be there. Like, you know this, you know, to share an inside story. Like, I don't ever cancel coaching appointments. The only rare times that I will is if I'm not feeling well and I know that I'm not going to show up well. But you know this, the, and, and I remember this, I mean, this is, this is probably more important than it is to me than it is to you. But you and I had a session the morning after my dad died. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And I told you afterwards. And I remember you said, because he, he passed away at 10 o'clock at night on Super Bowl when the Seahawks won. Mm-hmm. Kind of a crappy remembrance. And the next morning I had you at 10 a.m. Yeah. And so I remember a couple of days later, because I think one of my donkey siblings put it out on Facebook that he had passed away or whatever. And you said to me, why the hell, why did you have sessions? Like, why, why would you do that? And I think for you, and for 99% of people, let's be honest, that's a weird thing to do. But I said to you, which is true, is my dad would have kicked my ass if I hadn't put my work in front of some temporary emotions. And getting to work with people like you and others is, is never work. Like it's, no, it's a respite from the frustrations of people who don't want to do kind of big things. And that I think comes back to judo and martial arts is it is hard and it's hard for a couple of reasons to callous you, but also to get people out of the way that don't want to practice that particular part of discipline. It doesn't make them bad people. It just isn't people that I necessarily want to spend a whole ton of time with. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I do remember that it's, it's so interesting. I remember there's a gentleman, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but he worked for us over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember he didn't come in. It was a Tuesday. We were supposed to have a meeting. It was Tuesday afternoon and he, he still wasn't in. I was like, what's going on? I call him, I think, or whatever. And uh, I said, hey, what's going on, you know, Bob? And he says, well, I, you know, I got a flat tire this morning. And it, it's funny now, right? It's funny, but I just think of like, what morning 
do you not get some kind of a flat tire? Or, or the time when I had another gentleman that worked for me that said, you know, I'm, I've got a little bit of a headache. And I'm like, geez, like how many headaches have you had? Like I, happens, you know, <laughs> what do you do? You, you do what you do. You keep going. Like that's, right. I just, th I think it's funny. The things that you take for granted, the things that I take for granted, that's not necessarily normal throughout the world. It's just normal to us. It's normal who we are. You know, mm -hmm. I know you've been doing a lot of, uh, you know, you like the, the David Goggins book, right. you know, that you're can't you're, hurt me. Yeah. You can't hurt me. Can't hurt me. And the, mm -hmm. the acts of discipline and the things that, that you're doing just to challenge yourself probably two or three people know about it. Maybe not even that many, maybe there's things you keep to yourself altogether. I, you know, I practice in those things as well. I'm not doing those things to impress people. I'm right. That's why I usually don't really talk about it. I just usually I'm doing it for the sake of myself and keep the, keep the, you know, keep the sword sharp or whatever you want to call it. But I think all of those things are interesting. And I think, you know, I just got done with my, second red sash with sensei hurt sellers 15 years so now i'm i i think i'm like he hasn't had the formal conversation but i'm kind of in the black belt program and that's pretty cool that's like a lifetime goal but somebody was like what do you, what happens when you get your black belt i like go well nothing um right. because i'm gonna probably be doing martial arts well into my 80s my grandpa's gonna be 97 this year and mm -hmm. he's you know, I mean, he's, he's tired. Ask he's awesome though. I mean, he's for awesome. people who haven't met him, he's one of my favorite people. And like, we joke about the trip to Toledo, but us going out for breakfast with your family and star and all those amazing <laughs> people, but your, your granddad who I hadn't met in person. I mean, I've heard about him for a number of years. Sure. But when he shook my hand. I'm like, this freaking guy could break my hand. Like if he decided to bear down, he could probably pulverize my knuckles. And the only other person that I felt that grip strength with is friggin' Cam Chancellor, the, the pass safety from the Seattle Seahawks. When I yeah. shook his hand the first time, I'm like, this guy could rip my arm out and beat me with it. So yeah. that's, yeah, it's very likely you're going to live a long, long life and probably more than half of your life, you'll have been a martial artist. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. So I, I like the martial arts. I like the, the pairing those things. And the other thing is you find some very special people in that space. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my sensei is great. Like people that have, like this, uh, this passion and this drive, it's not super common. And so I like the right. idea of having, you know, when, when you're 48 years old and you're out there, I, I get looks literally every single week, every single right. week, we get young new guys that come through one of the dojos and they're always like, right. they're grabbing a hold of you and they're going hog wild. I mean, there was a right. kid, there was a kid last week at uh, the jujitsu at, at jujitsu who, at 6.30 a.m. class, him and his buddy that go to the University of Toledo stayed up all night because the last time they tried to go to the 6.30 class, they overslept. They didn't want to oversleep, so they literally stayed up all night so that they would make sure they didn't miss. And this I kid wrestled. He, I don't know if he wrestled in college. He might wrestle for, for the university. I don't know. He was 220-pound strapping lad of muscle and right. intensity. And he grabbed the hold of me and he's flying all over the place. And then as we settle in, you know, then I do what I do, right? Because I've been right. doing it for a little bit. But it's so frustrating. He's like, God, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 48 years old. He's like, oh, my God. I go, yeah, I've got two kids older than you. 
Right, <laughs> so, right. So, you know, it like sets in, like, but, but it's such a fun, fun journey with all these relationships and all this stuff and the intensity, but yet the gentleness, the gentle arts of the, right. this partner, it's not, it's not your opponent. It's certainly not your enemy. Like these are your partners. Right. Like you don't get better without them. And they well, if you hurt them, them, yeah, if you hurt them, you've got nobody to work out with. And in, in business, if you screw people over, you're not going to have anyone to transact with. And so it is that piece. And, you know, I, I laugh about the black belt thing because a majority of people I know, and, you know, they did Taekwondo and they did Kung Fu and they did karate and all that, is they get the black belt. And then what do they do? They quit. Yeah. Right. And so in their mind, the black belt is where I want to get to. And then I can say to people, hey, I'm a black belt. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like the people that, uh, you know, they display every certification that they ever received or they got the participation badge or all that. And I remember, you know, old black belts from Japan and their black belt was so worn, it started to look white, right? Like it loses the color because they've had it for, well, like Mr. Huntley got his black belt in 1967, which was seven years before I was born. And so it starts to go white. And what they say is if once you've been a black belt long enough, you come full circle back to being finally a true student of the art. And so you think of that, but it's, you know, I, like what I love, I mean, you know, like, cause you've got Derek who's now doing jujitsu and my 13 year old is now, you know, training for the national team. And what I love is, you know, they're like, Oh, you know, I can, if I do this right, I can have a blue belt by next November. And then I can have a brown belt by the time I'm 16. And, and I read the syllabus of the national team. And what they said is up until you're 18, the whole focus is learning how to compete, not learning how to win. Mm-hmm. learning how to compete like is your gi folded properly in your bag did you bring enough water did you sleep the night before did you eat and then what they say is from 18 to 21 which is when you would become an international competitor then they focus on you winning but up until 18 because we'll just turn 13 like for the next five years his whole focus is learn the art learn how to fold your gi properly you know how to show respect to your instructors like if you lose we don't care you can lose every tournament. We will worry about you winning once you're 18, but we need you to fall in love with the art. And I think that's brilliant. Same with business. If you're focused on closing every call, you are going to hate your life. If you're focused on, you know, using that martial art thing, showing up, exercising, knowing you put in the effort and maybe getting better on one little thing, right? Like you maybe dial one extra phone call in an hour or maybe get one minute deeper in the conversation that is the progression, not the perfection that mirrors martial arts and business. Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple things with, um, with my sensei and sensei also practices with Sifu Brown and they have the, mm. the, this five ways to become a great martial artist. And we all, we kind of talk about those all the time, but one of them is practice exactly the way you want to perform. Mm-hmm. So I think of that, um, because the practice part, like if you're going to be really good at something, you have to practice it and you have to practice it. You can't practice it just kind of going through the motions. Right. So we, we've taken this away into business. Like we will have the meeting before the meeting. And, you know, with my team, if we have, we have big meetings in particular, we will literally run through. We know we walk through the room and we say where everybody's going to be sitting. I'll say this. Be ready for this. This is your part. This is your part. This is what this looks like. So, right. yeah. So it's a, it's a lot like martial arts. There's so many parallels. And the, one of the funny things as we kind of come full circle is 
it's definitely rather simple, but it's almost never easy. No. Right. Well, well, and if you're pushing it, it should never be easy, right? And this right. is what I was saying, even with these, with, with the videos that I've been doing, is I am now, after nine months, nine months, yeah, I am consciously incompetent. And so our friend Nick, who we were in Vegas with last November, was saying, yeah. you know, you guys should start working content, right? You remember, like we had that yeah. conversation. And uh, what I find now is, like, on a scale of one to ten, that first video was a zero right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, I can't even watch it. I've tried to watch it for fun. And I'm like, I look so horrific. I can't even like that, that at some point I would delete it if I don't take rejoice in sometimes looking like an idiot. Yeah. What I would say is the videos now are about a four or a five and I'm actually excited to figure out how to get them to seven or eight by next year. And so Will, who's starting, he wants to start a YouTube channel for that Minecraft. Yes. And he's like, I talked to mom and all her friends have kids into Minecraft. And so I'm basically going to launch with 400 subscribers just so I can smoke you. Wow. And I'm like, that's aggressive. And I'm like, that's great. And so he goes, well, do you think you can catch up to me? And I'm like, I'm not in it for the subscribers. I'm in it because it's hard. And so he's still going to judo trying to beat blue and brown belts. Yep. I went to judo to have a really good sweat and to try to figure out how to do one more thing better. And so we had this laugh and he's like, I really think you care. And I'm like, I really don't like this morning over breakfast. And he's like, yeah, but if I get 10 comments and you don't get any, how are you going to feel? I'm like, I'm going to feel indifferent. I'm like, how are you going to feel as a 21 year old eight years from now? And you're going to be at the top of your judo game, assuming that you've been at it. And I'm going to come out with broken collarbone, broken knee, broken elbows, broken wrists. And I'm going to come out and I'm going to whoop your ass. Because as a 55-year-old, I'm still going to be a Huntley hoodlum, which is what we used to be called because we were really good on the mat. Yeah. And so he's like, you don't think that's true? And I'm like, I think that's true. And I'm like, but what if I just start to practice as well? He's like, well, don't do that. <laughs> and so you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm trying to find that commonality. But that's what martial arts gives you is a love for the competition. And you've told me this. When I would get choked out or nearly choked out by a guy, I was never angry. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, how the hell did you do that? How did you get your arm that? Show me. Yeah. And so there was an excitement. And I know you've shared kind of the same type of a story where you're never, when somebody throws you well or delivers a good punch, you're not angry. No. You're like, show me, teach me. And that is how business works as well. When I've had competitors scoop me now, I'll call them up and go, okay, number one, screw you. Number two, well played. Number three, I'm going to dissect that. I'm going to show up better next time. And they're like, okay. And you know what I mean? You'll find those training partners in business as you do in martial arts. And you, you both get better by, by having that competition. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Good, good. Mm -hmm. Well, it looks like we're coming to an end of our time here. So oh, as always, enjoy talking to you could talk about martial arts and business for, well, I kind of do talk about it all the time. So me too. You know, that's kind of just the way it is, but uh, I really appreciate your time. Always good catching up vast improvements on the background. Hey, if you you. you're not subscribed to me, make sure you do. We need some of that. We need a little more love. Even we're going to be competing with William. It sounds like. Yes. So. He's, he's, he's expecting a strong start. So we'll have to mount a defense for the older guys. Right on. So thanks for your time. Have a great rest of your day. All right, buddy. See you soon. Cheers. Cheers.
Fernand offers products and services using the following business names. Creative Financial Partners, Insurance and Financial Services, Ameritas Investment Company, LLC, AIC, member FINRA, SIPC, Security Investments, Ameritas Advisory Services, AIS Investment Advisory Services, AIC and AIS are not affiliated with Creative Financial Partners. Products and services are limited to residents of states where the representative is registered. This is not offer securities in any jurisdiction nor is specifically directed to a resident of any jurisdiction. As with any security request, the prospectus from the representative read carefully before you invest or send money. A representative will contact you to provide request information. Representative of AIC and AIS do not provide legal or tax advice. Please consult your tax advisor or attorney regarding situation. Whew. Thanks for watching.